Welcome to the Restoration Church Life Podcast. This resource exists to keep you informed about the various happenings inside the life of our church and equip you to apply the gospel to all areas of life that together we might delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Hey, Restoration Church, Nathan and Joey back with you again. And over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to ask some questions that have been asked over time, kind of a ask the pastor type of thing. And so uh, one question that we get on occasion is, why do we use the ESV? Or to phrase it another way, what what Bible translation should I use? And so we're going to talk about that. First off, bit. I'm glad they're wanting to read the Bible. That's a good that's a good starting we're place. Glad yes. for that. Amen. Amen. So Nathan, as we think about Bible translations, why why do we have translations in the first place? Well, we know the uh, first reason we have translations is because the original language of the Bible, as it was uh, done in its autographs, as we like to say, the originals were. The Old Testament, generally speaking, was written in Hebrew. The New Testament, generally speaking, was written in Greek. Matter of fact, it was all written in Greek. There's a little bit of Aramaic in, in the, the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, right. but generally, Hebrew and Greek. And I'm pretty sure most of our people, myself included, can't speak Hebrew or Greek. So therefore, we need somebody to translate it. That's right. So we we need translation in the first place because we do not speak, read the original language of the original manuscript. That's right. And I don't. I think that sometimes people don't appreciate how incredibly revolutionary that idea is. Maybe we'll get at this uh, by the time we're going through the Reformation series. I'm not sure when this will come out, but about that time. Uh, yeah. So if maybe you've heard a sermon on this, but like that's so revolutionary to have the Bible in your own language. That's right. Go read on William Tyndale if you're an English speaker. That will encourage you. This is revolutionary and beautiful and right to have the language of the Bible in our own language. Right. So we, we have translations because we don't speak or read, most of us, the original language, and the Bible is meant to be read by all peoples, all tribes, all tongues. Uh, any other reasons why we might have translations, of very, even various translations inside the English? So why not have one English translation? Well, because, you know, language is not quite that simple, you know? <laughs> I mean, right? There's... I, it says the two people that only speak one language. Exactly. Yeah. My goodness. Holy moly. We we we're the worst people. I just realized this. We we should get all the other twenty plus language speak people in here on this podcast. But yeah. So I mean, I can say that. Uh, um. You know. Gosh. My goodness. I can say the same thing in three different ways. Right. And so, uh, we want to try to be. I, well, I'm I'm kind of going to where we're probably going to go. But we want to. If it's right, Joey. If it's right, that. The Word of God is the thing that the Spirit uses to regenerate and to sanctify. Therefore, uh, we want to be as accurate to those original writings as we can in order that the Spirit might rightly use those words in order to convict us and change us. And so the translations that we want in English, uh, I'm kind of going where we're going to go. Maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but but we want it to be as as clear as we can and as accurate as we can. Sure, and there's 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 those, but even I would say even in uh, one of those reasons we have various translations is because even the English language changes over time. Yeah. So if you think about uh, you know 1600 English versus 21st century English, we're going to say things differently, and so mm-hmm. in order to be able to speak in a way that is coherent. We would need various translations, yeah. uh, and then uh, what you just mentioned is re- reading level. Think about reading level. Yeah. Why is it? How does that come into translation? Yeah, that's what I meant by clarity. Okay, so accuracy yeah. and clar- clarity, and so the clarity would be the different le- reading levels. So some translations are written on like a seventh grade. A lot of them are written on about a seventh grade reading level. Some are written down like the message. I think is like a third grade le- reading level. 
But there's going to, but when we do that, we're going to run into some issues regarding accuracy. So, yeah. so, yeah. so we've talked about the need for translations and then, then, uh, the, the kind of the broad stroke translation philosophies. Mm-hmm. So you would hear one would be what they call formal equivalence. Yeah. And so what is that? What they mean by formal is they're trying to be very formal and word for word from the original text into, uh, the modern language. Okay. So that's on one end of the spectrum. At the under, other end of the spectrum, you'd have what would be called functional equivalence. I Meaning you're just trying to be, it's trying to be functional to fit the form. So they're, they're going to be more thought for thought mm-hmm. based translations. Mm-hmm. And so on one end, you have word for word. Mm-hmm. On the other end, you have thought for thought. Those would be translations, but then you have other things that would be paraphrases. Right. So they're not trying to necessarily translate uh, word for word for thought for thought, but they're kind of going paragraph per, per paragraph, as it were. So, like, we can give an example of this before yeah. we get into the Bible, even. Yeah. So, like, if I were to say, uh, wh- which which version, Joey, would this be? Would this be formal, or would this be functional? If I were to say, if if the if the sentence read, if I if the actual sentence, so this would be the Greek or the Hebrew, if the actual sentence was, there is a golden retriever. Running next to the Kia Soul. That would be, that would be, that's the, there's the autograph, right? There's the original, right? So a formal equivalent would say roughly what? Give me an example. Give me a translation of that. A formal, it would try to get as close as possible. There was a golden retriever running beside the Kia Soul. Okay. And now give me the functional. The functional may be like there, there was a dog running next to a Kia. Yeah. So or maybe even it could get down the line and say that there's a dog running next to a car. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so in, in every translation, mind you, is trying to balance those two things. They're trying to balance the formality, the word for word and the functional. In fact, the, the way the ESV, uh, reads it is, is they're trying to, they say the ESV is essentially literal translation that seeks as far as possible to capture the precise wording of the original text, but they also recognize there's always a balance in expressing the functional equivalent so they can communicate clearly. Mm-hmm. So there's always a balance. So give them some examples. So so you have some some in front of you. Yeah, so I'm looking at Romans 3.25. Now, I don't know my Greek right offhand, but nevertheless, let me we'll give you some, some examples. So the ESV would be considered what I would use like I would say as an essentially literal or a formal right. right? So you're thinking word for word. Word for word, not thought for thought. So here's what the ESV would how it would translate Romans three twenty five. It says this whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. All right, there's ESV. A lot of big words in there, right? Uh, maybe even for people that are not native English speakers, there's a even, they especially, it's hard for them. Right. Now listen to NIV, which would be considered. It'd be more thought for thought. Thought for thought. And here's what goes, here's what goes, here it goes. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through his, through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Now we notice there's some difference there. They did some a little bit of interpretation and broadening it in order to make it what I was using the word more clear, try to smooth out the translation, make it less rough, but still try to maintain some accuracy. So we see that in, for instance, when the ESV uses the word propitiation, 
the NIV chooses to use the language of sacrifice of atonement. Both true. So sacrifice of atonement's more broad. It's like saying, I'm sick, right? But the ESVs, the formal, is like saying, I have a cold. It's more specific. So it helps the reader kind of keep moving. It's a, you know, and because propitiation is a big word, but, uh, but it also, you lose a little bit of something. You lose a little bit of the precision of the word. So, uh, and then you'll notice too, it says there, this was to show God's righteousness. But in NIV, it says he did this to demonstrate his justice. So righteousness, justice, both very similar. But I think the righteousness is really getting to the heart of things a little bit more. But justice is not wrong either. It's perfectly fine. Um, and it has a little bit more. Let me, let me go way on down the line. Okay. The message. Oh, the message. So this is, this would, we would say the message is not a translation. It is a paraphrase, mm-hmm. meaning it's not trying to go word for word or thought for thought. It's kind of taking big chunks yeah. of thought and trying to reword them. So this, you'll see this is completely different. Yeah. So it's, yeah. God sacrificed, same verse, by the way. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action and full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. So, drastically different. Yeah, very different. Yeah, yeah very different. So, and you, you can still get the, the message inside there. You kind of have to work out a little bit more. So I think the point would be, well, look, well, you do this, Joey. Draw some conclusions. So I, I think that first... So is it like, are you a heretic if you read the message? No. Okay. I wouldn't say it should be your primary source okay. because it's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. Okay. But I do think that whatever Bible translation you're reading, you should be aware of their philosophy. So if you go to the very front of whatever Bible you have, mm-hmm. they're going to probably have something like translation philosophy. I'm looking at it page here, uh, seven of the ESV Bible, translation philosophy. They're going to do the same thing for the, the NIV, the message, and so forth. So you should be aware, knowing what strength and what the weakness might be of that particular translation philosophy. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I think that's mm-hmm. that would be one one thing to be aware of. Yeah, I could. And, and two, I would say there is... Uh, helpfulness in reading multiple translations. Yeah, yeah. So I will, at times, I will read the message to see just a, a bigger kind of picture to let me see the forest and not just the trees. Yeah. Uh, but for my primary devotions, I'm going to use something's a bit more word for word, getting yeah. closer to the original text. And maybe even to say that in a slightly different way, I might read the message when I'm preparing a sermon just to see how Eugene Peterson, who's the guy that did right. the message, how did he, how does he interpret that right. passage, just yep. to see his interpretation, you know, whereas uh, when I look at the ESV, let's say, or the New American Standard, something like that, that's essentially literal, that is a formal, it's a little bit closer, so the interpretive work has not been done as much, and so that's one of the reasons, which leads us kind of into another question, doesn't it, as to why we use the translation that we do. Yeah. So why do we use the ESV? Yeah, so... is our primary source. Yeah, because it is an essentially literal, first off. So, which remember going back to what we said at the beginning, words matter mm-hmm. uh, because we know that by those words that the Spirit uses to bring people to conviction uh, and sanctification. And so words matter. And so we want to be as close as we can. It's those two things I mentioned, clarity and accuracy. So uh, we want to be as accurate as we can to the original text. That's kind of be the, that's more of a priority than clarity is. Then secondly, the clarity, we feel as though the ESV is still clear enough. I understand, I would be the first to admit, that it's not as clear as, say, the NIV. 
But nevertheless, there's some things that the NIV does from time to time. Though I do think the NIV 1984 version is a good translation. It's what I grew up on. A lot of my memory verses are still in the NIV. It's a generally good one. It's not quite down the line from the message as much. So NIV is closer to formal equivalency. But words matter. So we choose the ESV because the accuracy to the original language is essentially literal. It's formal. And two, the clarity or the readability we feel like is accessible. That's right. Yeah, so I think it does the, it does a good job of balancing those two aspects yeah. to give us a very reliable and readable translation. So uh, before we go, if if people were to say what what would be two or three translations if they were going to have a, a copy of the Bible on their desk, yeah. one would be the ESV. We would say, one ESV. or two others that you would say that they would benefit from having copies on their desk. Yeah, there's a new translation out called the Christian Standard Bible, or the old version of that. They just updated what was called the HCSB, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Uh, that one, either one of those, CSB or the HCSB, both of those would be good. Uh, maybe a third one in there. My wife really likes the New American Standard Bible. It's really, that's even more literal than the ESV, but you sacrifice some readability. Yeah, it's very wooden. Very wooden. Yeah. But it's yeah. word for word. It's, yep. it's the closest word for word in terms of the English yeah. translations that we have. So that'd be that, in that subset, you might, any other, New King James? Yeah, you can do New King James. Yeah. Well, I, my wife, she just switched to the ESV, but she, yeah. she, she loved the, the NIV for quite a while. Yeah. So I think any yeah, of those. NIV, yeah. And guess what, beloved? You're not limited to any of those because you can go to BibleGateway.com. Yeah. And you can. For free. For free. Look at all of them. And you can look at all of them. Yeah. And, and so, some of the other ones, maybe, maybe not the best for Bible study, like the message, New Living Translation, those kinds of things. Maybe not the best for Bible study, but they're, they're good to have around. You yeah. Know, absolutely. Just to, just to kind of see how people are interpreting those passages. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't make that my main Bible for Bible study, but I think it's good to have those yeah, around. Absolutely. Well, Restoration Church, hopefully that gives you a little insight into Bible translations and specifically why we use the ESV, but we go back to where we started. We're thankful that you want to read the Bible in the first place. Amen. And so whatever translation it is, pick it up and pray that God would use it to help you love Christ and love your neighbor. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Restoration Church Life Podcast. May God continue to give us the grace to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ in Washington, D.C. and beyond.